welcome into the second episode of the Pollen Cast. Today, we will be looking at the impact um, of peanut-free and other allergen-free policies at schools and deciding whether or not this can actually yield benefits or if these policies are actually against the interests of students who are afflicted by allergies. So, um, I am your host, Jackson. I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of Emerging Allergy Treatments. And with me today is... Chase. So, Chase is a uh, staff writer here at um, Emerging Allergy Treatments. And uh, I guess we should just get started. Brief note before, um, I'd like to give credit to... uh, the National Institute of Health. We uh, used some of their uh, studies in one of their articles um, uh, in this podcast extensively. So um, uh, let's move into it. Um, So without further ado, let's get into it. So um, of course, um, the intuitive... uh, the intuitive thought is that, you know, P, um, allergic reactions will be, uh, will be, uh, less widespread if we are to, you know, institute a ban on them, right? But, um, of course, we can, even, like, just not looking, um, at this through an allergy lens, we can kind of look at this, um, in a, from a historical standpoint and kind of see that, Bans don't always result um, in less of uh, something occurring. So, for example, yeah. we have um, prohibition. And do you want to explain what happened uh, with prohibition, Chis? Uh So, prohibition was um, the ban of alcohol in the United States of America, but uh, it didn't work very well, and alcohol was still um, sold in the black market and created in much less safe um, manner because it was no longer legal. So in the end, they decided to get rid of prohibition and relegalize alcohol in the U.S. Exactly. Um, and the importance in this example comes um, in the fact that um, pretty much the, um, the, this alcohol was being made in less safe manners. And the reason why that, um, why, uh, that is important to note is that, you know, in this instance— Alcohol wasn't really being regulated by the government, right? Because it was illegal. They couldn't really, like, say, here's how you can legally sell alcohol in the market, right? People were pretty much just making alcohol in their bathtubs is how they'd actually do it. Yeah, they would make whiskey in their bathtubs. Yeah, exactly. And, of course, that was far less safe and it resulted in many more deaths. And it's kind of an interesting parallel to um, what happens when peanut, when nut bans are instituted at schools, Um, because the thing is, it is just so hard to enforce, um, like not bans, you know, because it's not as if teachers or administrators or whoever are going to be looking through the contents of a child's lunchbox on a daily basis. You know, it's just not going to happen. Um, and as a result of this, what we see is that. There's essentially no real difference in um, 
in the amount of uh, reactions that occur at nut-free schools versus schools that do have nuts. In fact, um, I would contest that um, yeah. there could be a false sense of security. Indeed. Among, uh, among um, you know, schools who do put bans on nuts. So, for example... Um, yeah, Chase, you want to give an example? So, let's say we have a school that um, puts a ban on nuts. So then all these uh, children with nut allergies will think that they're safe and they don't have to be quite as careful as they would normally be. However, as we explained earlier, um, this ban doesn't necessarily mean there won't be any nuts in the school. As a matter of fact, they might have little to no effect on the amount of nuts in the school, which leads to um, these children not being as safe um, and maybe accidentally consuming or making contact with their allergens. Exactly. Um, leading to even more allergies in their words to begin with. Exactly. So maybe one child has been instructed to never... Um, you know, accept food from another kid or trade food with another person, you know, just in case the, that, um, that product has nuts in them and has nuts in it. And maybe, uh, this child, um, you know, isn't, um, is, can't read yet or something of that nature and, you know, can't read the may contain or the contains label. Yeah. Right. Or maybe this child uh, maybe there's like cross contamination, right? Maybe a parent made a sandwich, um, well, um, and it accidentally maybe touched a little smidge of peanut butter, right? Yeah. Um, or something like that. So that means that these children are maybe more liable to trade food with another child, which might be just as likely to have nuts in a nut. So in a quote unquote nut free school as, um, you know, in a school that uh that does allow nuts exactly um in fact there's actually a statistic about this where um five in out of 861 lunches in schools with peanut free policies still contained peanut that's not good yes which is sad and even worse um they uh it is stated that um this number is uh probably lower then, um, then, uh, it actually is because essentially how they collected this data was that they surveyed parents, oh, the parents to see if to the parents, yeah, exactly. See if the parents are packing peanuts for their, um, for in their kid's lunch. And of course the, the average parent who is flouting the school's restrictions Isn't going to and to putting nuts in their child's lunch anyway, is not going to play by the rules in this instance, right. Yeah. And admit to their wrongdoing. Um, furthermore, this doesn't really account for the fact that cross-contamination probably occurs in homes, right? It's yeah. very difficult to ask for maybe a child, a parent to make a peanut butter, uh, sandwich for their kid, right? And then, um, you know, maybe they don't wash their hands and then they proceed to make a sandwich for their other child who goes to a nut-free school, um, right? And all of a sudden you have cross-contamination. But if you do abide by the rules, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that there won't be allergen exposure at nut-free schools. Yes. The good news is, however, that, um, uh, that there, it is very unlikely that pretty much, um, children, uh, actually, you know what, no, never mind. Um, I think we should move on to, um, to maybe policies that might be more effective in uh, solving this, and you know, a, a brief, a brief note on um, on 
on this, uh, and also kind of just this podcast as a whole, is yeah. that, um, but we've we're kind of focusing on nut-free policies because that's where there's been the vast majority of research, um, because, um, especially like peanuts are uh, the um, you know the most widespread allergen. Yeah. Um, which means that those are the ones. Uh, the restrictions that actually occur at schools. But some schools have even gone as far as to, um, you know, ban such things as eggs, right? Feasible? I mean, I feel like there's even more of a chance exactly. for people not to buy by the rules. Exactly, because eggs. banning peanuts is one thing, but banning eggs and dairy or something oh, like dairy, that, that's, a bit too far. that's really difficult. Well, I'm not sure it would, that, that's debatable, but the point is, when you get into that sort of territory, there's really no way to regulate it yeah, because parents are going, that's too broad of a restriction, right? Um, but then again, it's kind of awful to say, hey, we'll um, accommodate your child who's allergic to peanuts, but not your child who's allergic to dairy, Yeah, that's, right? That's so that's the thing. Now, of course, it is also lucky that peanuts are the more widespread allergy. Well, lucky, quote unquote. Peanut allergies, of course, aren't lucky, yeah. but... Um, it is lucky that that's the one that's more widespread because peanuts are far less, um, prevalent in, uh, many foods. Yeah. But, um, anyway, you know, um, like, like we are focusing on peanut free, um, on, uh, you know, uh, peanut free schools in this podcast, but I would imagine that similar statistics would apply, um, to, uh, to schools, for instance, that might be limiting dairy, um, and actually, I think that the numbers there might even be worse, just based upon the fact that dairy is um, so common and so difficult to um, stop parents from distributing dairy to their children. Exactly. So um, we do have like some policies that are actually more effective in preventing reactions um, at school. So one is encouraging hand washing. Right? Simple as that. It's a simple one. Maybe you have a third grade class and after school and after lunch, when the teacher leaves them back to the classroom, um, they make a pit stop along the way to a bathroom, make each of the kids wash their hands. Seems pretty simple, right? Yeah. Um, but, and this is actually very effective um, in uh, preventing um, people from uh, getting an allergic reaction for obvious reasons. Um, you know, kids aren't, you know, touching things with their hands. And somebody with a severe reaction doesn't even really need to ingest their food, right? Yeah. Their food allergy to get a reaction. Some people can breathe in peanut dust, for example, oh, and suffer, suffer from anaphylaxis. That's so, nice. yes. Um, but um, this has been found to be uh, highly effective. Um, I think that another interesting um way to um maybe combat peanut allergies which um is definitely probably more common in schools these days um i say i mean i, I couldn't speak for all schools but a lot of schools definitely have this is a nut-free table nut -free ta oh yeah that and is, what a nut-free yeah. table does is um the only the kids who are going to who are going to be going to a nut-free table are the kids who, of course, have nut allergies. So there's no way that they're going to be bringing nuts from home. Yeah. Um, 
Now, of course, this still doesn't, if you have a very severe peanut allergy, you're still definitely at risk, yeah, right? Because if these, if some kids are even in the proximity of a peanut, you know. They can get a reaction. Exactly. But um, this is very, uh, this I would imagine would be very effective for kids with peanut allergies. The only issue with this is that this kind of socially um, lumps, forces kids oh, with allergies yeah, to only associate with each other. Because, yeah. of course, um, you know, in elementary school, lunch is the time when you socialize with other kids the most. And all of a sudden, you're kind of limiting the, um, the social experience that uh, certain children can have. So yeah, that's the that's downside. The, that's that's the downside to that. Um, especially because, um, you know, these are a kid's formative years, right? And they need to like, and uh, this means that, yeah, that this is largely like their experiences with other people then are largely going to be, um, influential in shaping them in the future. Right. So, um, so that's what I would say the downside is to having a peanut free table. Um, but of course, um, another, um, uh, important thing um, to look at, and this is kind of in the case of both school, um, of, uh, even if, you know, one school were to somehow figure out how to, um, how to limit, um, allergic reactions, they still might happen, you know? Yeah, there's really no entire, uh, elimination of allergic reactions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're still always at risk, which means that it is important that, EpiPens or OVQs, you know, ep epinephrine auto injectors, um, which can, um, you know, kind of uh, buy some time for these kids until an ambulance arrives. Um, it's important that those are accessible at schools. It's important that um, hopefully these kids would be bringing them around where they go or their teachers would be, right? Yeah. It's important that the teachers, although it's very self explanatory at this point, that someone knows how to administer them. Yeah. And it is important that there are a lot of epinephrine auto injectors at these schools just in case something does happen. Yeah, that's because the best I to this Yeah, I remember in one one of my classes there was a kid with a soy allergy. Wow. And this kid um was eating a hot dog. Hot dog. Yeah, all of a sudden, I believe had tightness in his throat. And had they had to call um nine one one and he had to go to a hospital. Yeah, it's weird. Hot dogs don't probably shouldn't have soy. Yeah, but for whatever reason, this one contained it. And the worst part is, I went to a nut-free school and these hot dogs were being distributed. Oh yeah, by the school. By the school. It wasn't as if he brought this hot dog from home or you know another. He borrowed it from another kid. The school was giving out these hot dogs. And they were giving out a known allergen to a kid who was, you know, allergic to soy. Yeah. So um, now, of course, I, I should caveat this by saying that um, we were we did not eliminate soy. We were not a soy-free school. But still, if you know, be, uh, they probably should tell allergen. this kid, the specific kid, hey, don't buy our hot dogs because they have soy in them. I guess the school didn't even really know that they were that they were soy in the hot dogs. Soy in hot dogs. Exactly. Um, and. Maybe it was a case of cross-contamination. I don't know. But, um, yeah. So, you can really never be too safe. And you really, you always have to have a lot of these 
epinephrine auto-injectors close at hand just in case, you know, um, an allergic reaction occurs. And it's sad because 53% of schools, according to this National Institute of Health study, um, don't have any policy for combating anaphylaxis. And this is the crazy part. 38% of school nurses are not willing to um, inject a child with epinephrine That's not good at all. if they have an allergic reaction. That's probably just like some liability stuff. That's exactly. Not, I'm sure it is a, a function of liability. But still, that's a huge issue. This means that if a kid is having a life-threatening allergic reaction, what will the school nurse do? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. And I don't know. That seems a very strange to me, especially because I'm sure there's some sort of good Samaritan law, which... um which binds you to if somebody is having, you know, like a life-threatening reaction, like you have to save them, you know? Yeah, I, mean, I think that there's some sort of law regarding that. Um, or just, you know, any life-threatening circumstance, because that seems crazy to me. Um, so it seems like maybe those nurses might not have the right, uh, the right stance in terms of the legal liability, but as a school nurse to... You know, I, I don't know. I think that I think that, in my personal opinion, and it's easy for me to say because I'm not going to get sued if I administer um, yeah. an EpiPen upon someone. But I think that, of course, um, you know, a child's life should come before legal liabilities, especially if it's one's job to. You know, if one is being paid and it's their job and duty, of course, it's anybody's duty to protect human life. But if you're literally getting paid for it, then you really should probably, you know, give give them the epipen. Um, So that's really disturbing to me, especially because what if you're at a preschool, right? What if you're at a preschool? Thanks for for, thanks for that. um, That point of view, Chase. Um, Well, it's not good. It it is not good. Can you explain why, Chase? Because if you don't get treatment, then they could die. Why? Why would it? Why would they be less likely to administer an epipen at a preschool? Why would that? I don't know. <laughs> Wait, is there like something I'm missing here? Or is, would they do less? What I was getting at, Chase, is that <laughs> kids in preschool are less capable than older kids, and also are less likely to know how to read. Uh, Meaning that they may, and all the cues do have um, audible instructions these days, but they might be less likely to be able to give themselves the treatment they need, right? And they might be further unable, and this is another issue, is that younger kids might not have an effective way of communicating to... um, uh, to their teachers or to a nurse that they are having an allergic reaction. In fact, they probably don't even know what's happening to them because yeah. a lot of allergic reactions are not diagnosed, you know, are, 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 um, are undiagnosed at such a young age, right? Yeah, because they don't even have an EpiPen. Exactly. So, exactly. They may not even have an EpiPen. They might not. There's which means that it is the school's responsibility, really, 
to good point, Chase. It's the school's responsibility to stock EpiPens. But schools not only are unwilling to stock EpiPens, they're not even willing to administer an EpiPen that a kid might bring with them. So that seems um, that seems quite uh, it's quite an issue. It really is. And I think that of course allergic reactions are horrible. But as long as you have an EpiPen, they can't be fatal. Or not an EpiPen. As long as you have a couple EpiPens and you are able to dial 911 in a quick and efficient manner, you should not be able to die from an allergic reaction. Yeah. But if you don't have an EpiPen or you can't administer it or you can't contact 911 in a quick manner, then that's that's when you get into very sketchy territory, right? Yeah. And that's, I think, where the bulk of the um, of the uh, of the advocacy should be, because you know, I think that um, that uh, of course, peanut-free uh, uh, schools and like peanut-free policies, though they may seem to be good in theory. In practice, don't actually end up working out so well, right? But, of course, it is not very difficult at all, I would imagine, for a school to purchase a few EpiPens or for the nurses to simply take on the responsibility of administering an EpiPen and it can save lives, right? Yeah. Because you might not be, it might be difficult to forestall an allergic reaction from occurring, but. It is totally within your capability to treat these children, right? Yeah. So I think that that's an important distinction to make. And I think that the safety of children may not rely on whether or not their allergen is banned from their school, but rather on whether or not the school and the child, the child himself is properly equipped to save themselves in the case of an anaphylaxis reaction. Yeah. That being said, there are some ways, like we said earlier, to um, make uh, the amount of those reactions that are experienced um, lesser in schools, like encouraging hand washing. Um, and even not free policies can help somewhat, even though, even if they're not um, as effective as we may want them to be. But um, like we've said, the most effective way um, to stop allergies in school is probably to just uh, make sure you have an EpiPen at all times. Yes, um, because you know, the EpiPen is truly a lifesaver. Um, and yeah, one more topic that we re haven't really touched on this far is school versus real life, right? Yeah. And this is interesting because um, the argument could be made that children are not being prepared for the real world, right? If they are living in this dream world of, uh, you know, a school that bans allergens. Oh, that's a good point. And it is a good point. And I just, I'll tell you why this may actually be a valid one. Normally, if, if the ban on allergens was effective, I would say, to I totally 100% agree. You know? I mean, I, mean, I totally 100% disagree. Uh, because <laughs> I think that the main priority should be saving children's life. And I think that they will be more than capable of learning how to avoid allergens in the real world without 
really needing much hands-on experience. I think that it is possible for them to be armed with, um, uh, with uh, measures that will enable them to stay safe, right, um, in the real world without having to actually face these same dangers when they're children. Because, you know, ultimately they are children. And, you know, it's da very dangerous to expose them to allergens. Yeah. Um, but because, and also it's unlikely, because they're just children, that they'd really learn much from it, right? Like, let's be honest with you. Children are probably, I mean, I don't know. I haven't done really extensive research on this. But I'd assume that children are just less introspective than adults, more carefree. Yeah. Um, they probably just don't, are less likely to learn from their mistakes, is what I'm saying here. But, yeah, that's probably true. Maybe. Um, the thing is, as it turns out, not free policies are not effective in reducing, um, in uh, reducing allergens. Uh, I mean, allergic reactions, right? Yeah, they're not as effective as... They're not. So... Because of that, if they're, if they're not, you know, less, less effective, if there's no, if the two sides are symmetrical in terms of their efficacy, right, then, okay, all things considered equal, maybe it is a good idea to not have these nut-free policies so that these kids don't kind of grow up thinking that, oh, I can borrow food from my friend. Right? In if they will class. not be able to do that in the future. Um, or even in terms of uh, the, um, the, uh, the uh, current time, they might not be able to do that um, just, uh, just, you know, um, in, uh, um, in the current time. Because pretty much... They're not spending probably their whole lives at school, right? They are probably going to um, to uh, be going to birthday parties and all that type of thing, right? Yeah. But, of course, there are immense dangers with doing that, especially when all of a sudden they become more independent from their parents and they're maybe going to these birthday parties or their friends' houses by themselves, right? Mm -hmm. With parents who may not be conscious of the dangers of food allergies. Um, so as a result of this, I would say that that is a good argument for not instituting these bans. And if there were some way to make these bans more enforceable, I would be all for them. But as it turns out, that method has not been discovered yet. So as a result of it, of that, it seems as if nut bans will not actually work, but rather... Um, making sure that schools and nurses have the capability um, to administer epinephrine auto-injectors is probably the most important thing and is probably the course of action that is most likely to um, guarantee that students um, um, will, uh, you know, not perish from an allergic reaction. Yeah, that's... That's, that's good. So, um, I think that concludes today's episodes. Um, again, um, we are uh, Jackson and Chase. Um, we brought you this episode. 
Make uh, sure we thank you for listening. Stuff. Make sure to uh, to check out other uh, features on this website. And stay tuned for the next episode stay of st- the Pollen Cast. And um, also, if you are if you enjoy podcasts like this one, and uh, you're maybe in the mood for something a little uh, more lighthearted, like sports, for example. Ah. Uh, head over to uh, the uh, First Option Podcast. It's a very good podcast. I love it. It is. I love it, too. Yep. Um, we are both... Uh, me, uh, me and Chase alike are avid supporters of it. And um, we hope that you check that out as well. So uh, thank you for listening, and goodbye. Yep. Yep.